You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. Welcome to another edition of Fully Booked Meets Quarantine Specials. You have myself, Mace. Myself, French. Myself, Andrew. Myself, now, Stephen. Hey, hey. <laughs> We've got a special guest. we got Steph. Right, if I pronounce this wrong, let me know. Stefan Avanzato. You said it yeah. spot on, to be fair. Welcome to the show, bro. Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Excellent, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, from what I know of you, um, you have a very kind of, you have a unique barbering business or a kind of, you have a barbering business but with a unique set of clientele. Um, I've got a barber shop um, yeah. and my client base is quite sort of influential, quite high end. Um, I am probably one of the most expensive barber shops on the market. Um, but my clients have followed me for over over the years and they've I've built them up they've seen me grow into from a young boy into a man now and so they've seen me on my journey which is which is the beautiful thing as well right so got you so just to touch back on on you saying your clients have seen you grow so where where does your barbering influence come from how did you start off in the in the barbering or hair 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 how long you guys got (laughs) um so basically uh it was something that I'd never even dreamed of doing something that I never even thought about doing growing up as a kid. Like it was it never even crossed my mind. I kind of fell into it. Um, at 13, well, well kind of growing up, I was sort of hanging around with the wrong crowd. Um, I was getting in trouble a lot. Uh, I was getting excluded from school, expelled from school. Um, getting in trouble with authorities as well, I guess. Uh, and just growing up, I grew up in Southwest London, so you sort of start hanging around with the wrong crowd. And anyway, at school, I eventually got kicked out. Um, and they put me in like a, a sort of centre for really bad kids, I guess. And I was yeah. naughty, but I wasn't this bad. Like, I hadn't been to Young Offenders Institute or anything, thank God. But... Yeah. Um, so I, I got put there and nine months later, they said, right, we're going to find you a course. What do you want to do? And I said, listen, find me a trade. Find me something I can um, do, do with my hands. Uh, anything from plumbing, mechanics. Um, I'll, do, I'll be an electrician, uh, carpenter. I'll be in the building game more than happy. Like, and they said, all right, fine. We'll try and find you some courses. Mm-hmm. Anyway, nine months later, after being at this center, they came to me and they said, oh, we found you three courses. I'm like, oh, great. What are they? And they said, oh, we found you childcare, catering, and hairdressing. And I looked at them and I was like, yeah, I can see the similarities in everything I <laughs> sort of offered out there. Um, and I was like an adamant, stubborn little kid. I was 13 and I was like, no chance. You won't see me doing any of them. I'm not going to be a chef. I'm not going to be a barber. I'm not going to be a hairdresser. I'm not going to be a, a manny, you know, like, and especially like 16, 17 years ago, um, I mean, hairdressing wasn't really like, you, if you're a straight guy, you're not really known to be a hairdresser, right? And growing up in South London, you're going to take a lot of stick for it, which I did um, for many, many years. Tell me 
traveling and I went and stayed with my uncle in Miami for three months um went to Mexico for for three months as well saw my sister out there she was teaching out there and then um I came back and it was like right what do I do now uh so I used to go and get my hair cut weekly I was a skin fade guy you know I'd go and get my hair cut weekly at my local barbers and Johnny down the road he was like Steph why don't you come and do barbering I was like nah it's not really for me you know, I'd worked in Mayfair and I'd seen Ferraris and I'd seen like the high life and I'd seen that, the, you know, and I was like, no, nah, cutting hair ain't really for me. And I've gone from sort of women paying 200, 300 pounds to get their hair done to, to, to being paid like nine pounds to cut your hair down the road. You know, it was like, anyway, it took him three times to ask me, come and work for me, come and work for me, come and work for me. And eventually I said, all right, you know what, sod it. So I started my barbering career when I was probably 18 and a half. Um, and it started from there, you know, uh, and I was with Johnny for probably about a year and then one of his friends was looking for a barber. So I went on to manage his shop. Then I went on to manage another shop, but all in like the sub suburban area, sort of Streatham, Mitcham, Collier's Wood. Um, and I'd already sort of had the sort of sense from central London. So I kind of wanted to get back into that sort of life again and go back up into central London. It's where you get recognised, it's where you get more opportunities, it's where you can charge more money, you know. Um, so that's when I thought, right, sorry, I'm going to go back up to central and I found a job um, at 19 or eight, 19. Uh, and I started working for Murdoch, Murdoch London. And it was a new up and coming barbershop at the time. Uh, they'd opened a few, they've opened, they'd opened a few stores at the time and, and I applied and, and I got the position. And then after six six months the manager there ended up parting and uh they offered me the managerial role and i started managing the barbershops from there in central london that was my sort of first mayfair job um and it kind of it was a snowball effect from then you know you kind of find other opportunities in mayfair and and then you start getting headhunted once you've kind of made a bit of a name for yourself so yeah mm -hmm. uh, it was a long journey so what was the transition like between working for someone then opening up your own barbershop? Um, it's tough, you know. Uh, I was very, very comfortable at Dolce & Gabbana when I, when I decided to take the plunge. It was always a plan in my head to, make, to open my own barbershop and, and to make the move. Um, and I didn't know what... I had an idea in my head, but I didn't know what the final product was going to look like. Um, but as you go along and as you work for different places and, and I'd worked for multiple barbershops at this point. Then I went on to work at Dolce & Gabbana. And one thing I learned from there was the perfection and, and the luxury and the quality and, and even down to the very, very finest detail that they go, go above and beyond against, you know. And, and those little things are what make people and clients remember you remember the space remember the experience and remember everything you know so I was at Dolce & Gabbana for five and a half years I was so comfortable uh you're you're getting paid a good wage and you're managing people and and you're very respected in the in, in the industry and in the company um to make it to take a plunge it was tough you know you, one you're leaving security um you're being paid for your holidays you're being paid every month without fail and you leave it. You lose. You're losing your like. You're losing your security. You, 
you'll always you're always going to lose clients leaving one spot to another and that's always probably been one of my biggest obstacles is if i leave this space are my clients going to follow me mm-hmm. you know um and that is one of the biggest obstacles for barbers it's always a fear and you you end up taking the plunge and you're very very surprised at how many clients do follow you mm-hmm. and today with today's like game in in social media and the internet if you do lose them they can find you mm-hmm. as long as you as long as you're marketing yourself well enough and as long as you're putting yourself out there well enough if a client loses you and they really want to find you they can you know and i still find clients today that i haven't seen in four or five years that call me out of the blue or email me out of the blue and say stefan i've just found you i've been like i've missed you for the past five years where did you go and but it's easy to find you know and and that's the beauty of social media the internet and and everything out there today right so true um forgive me for being um for, for lack of knowledge, but I didn't realize high-end brands such as Dolce & Cabana had their employed their own barbers. So was, was it, was you essentially doing like, models hairs or how does that work when you're at Dolce & Cabana? So, uh, so when it first started out in Dolce & Cabana, they created a menswear, a bespoke, well, it's a, it was a sartoria store. So it was more sort of tailoring, men's tailoring, suits, tuxedos and everything. And within that store, they, it was a whole men's, dimension right so within that store they put a beautiful barbershop like no cost spared it was, it was probably one of the most barbershops most beautiful barbershops i've seen growing up and and it's probably up there with one of the best right um it was new to them and luckily they they asked me to come along and and there was another guy there at the time carmelo and helped set it up and i was lucky to be there from day one um and don't get me wrong, going from a, a, a central London barbershop, which is still quite high end, and going across to a luxury brand like Dolce & Gabbana can still be quite intimidating. I lost quite a few clients going across to Dolce & Gabbana. You know, some of my clients weren't used to the door being open for them. They weren't used to having to say hello to 10 people on their way through the store into the barbershop. Mm-hmm. It was a new, um, it was something new for Dolce & Gabbana, but they do have another barbershop in in Milan as well, which is a very small barbershop that's in their perfumery store. So this one was a a slightly different store, um, different concept, Um, but it was a stunning concept. And and the fact that it was a whole gent's world, you can, it's it's head to toe, you know, you go into a store, you you go and buy your beautiful suit, your beautiful tuxedo, you go into the barbershop, you have a haircut and a wet shave and, and you're good, you know, you're set to go, you're ready. So I think that's definitely some, it's a direction retail is going. Um, you have to create that type of experience, you mm. know, retail struggling, you know? So if you can create that one stop shop where a gent can go in and get all his needs in one place, mm-hmm. you're laughing, you know, and, and that's kind of the way it's, that it's kind of heading the direction it's heading. You have to create an experience behind the retail. Uh, just quickly, just touching back on what you said in terms of Dolce & Gabbana and doing like the, the extra things. <laughs> you mentioned in one of your posts, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little bit extra. So I'm going to ask you, what 1% habits or rituals do you do that gives you that 1% edge over your competitors? 
Within my store or within my everyday life? Both. Yeah. Um, there's little, I mean, I'll tell you what sort of finer touches we do within my store. It's everything down to the scent as you walk in is being given a hot flannel before you leave and you're wiping all the, all the, the hair off your face. It's being able to spray a nice cologne on you as you're leaving. It's being handed your coat and your jacket and being put on your back for you. Um, even down to drinks, you know, we, we serve whiskeys, we serve gin and tonics. We have a lot of sponsorship from loads of different alcohol brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even down to how you're serving the drinks, even having a beautiful coaster underneath the, the, the glass, you know, it all makes minor, they're minor, 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 minor details, but they make huge differences and people remember you for it, for it, you know, and that's how you get away with charging the prices that you're charging. It's not only the haircut. It's the whole experience within, right? So, and everyone, everyone seems to love it. Um, And this is, it's so easy for me because it's just what I've learned throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And I find it so easy and I I see something out of place and I'll, if there's a cup that's, that's there and it's not meant to be there, it needs to be moved. You know, it's, it's cleaning up after every client. It's sweeping up after yourself it's if you're not busy it's cleaning up after your your after your colleague you know and, and it's all teamwork it's building that team that all work together um sure. their standards are the highest you know and, and it's all about i can be a little bit bit heavy on my staff sometimes i'm like standard 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 standards why is that cut there why is that but once you've drummed it in you end up you end up walking around your shop and noticing things you're like all oh, right that shouldn't be there you end up walking past and picking it up you know so once you've drummed that in and and you you make it stand in your head then you're off you know and and you stick to those standards constantly would you say so, that mm-hmm. go sorry you're going to finish no 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 go on, I'm done would you say that overall aspect of of delivering a service that's not just tailored to the barber, but the whole experience. Is that what inspired you to open up the cigar terrace that I, I, I noticed you've... Um... I, was luckily, I was lucky enough. Finding a space in central London is tough as it is. Finding a space in central London that has a little outside terrace bit, you're laughing. So when I, when I found this space and when I was talk, talking to Private White, I saw this little space. And originally it was, there was nothing there. It was just an empty space. You know, it's like, what can we put in this little space to create something even better? You know, and it's all about lifestyle. It's about gentrifying. It's, it, all, it all fits into one, right? So put in, we've got a bar in there. We've got a barbershop. We've got a store upstairs where we can sell outerwear. We've got a bag brand in there too. Why don't we have a cigar lounge? Why, what other barbershop in London? There is no other barbershop in London that has a cigar lounge right next to their, their um their shop and we're lucky you know we need to utilize every little space that you have to the best to the best way you possibly can and we were super lucky having that oh hey did you want to um, ask i know you're sitting patiently yeah no 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 um obviously i cut off very briefly and so i don't know if i missed a bit but um just kind of like on the back of french's question as to like one percent and things like that and your story of going into a where was like the the transition of um, I'm going into a program as to um, I actually love what I do and I enjoy what I do and I can make a real career for, my, real career, real career for myself, sorry. Uh, do you know what, like, I think in every career that you start choosing, everyone eventually, or 
gets cold feet or they get bored of it or or they don't feel appreciated or they don't feel noticed. I think the real game changer and the real turning point for me was when, I don't know, you. We, we are in such close contact with our clients. Being appreciated by your clients is something that it's, it's quite, it's hard to explain. Um, it's mainly for them, you know, I've, I've created such a great relationship with my clients. They become more like family to me. Um, and like, even over this time, my phone, my phone is constant with clients and they just message me seeing how I am saying, Stefan, if you need anything, you just call me or Stefan, if you want me to pay for any haircuts up front, you just let me know, you know, the support I get from the network that I've built throughout the years is impeccable, man. It's incredible. I'm so humbled by it and I'm, I'm genuinely so flattered by it. Um, and it's just the relationship I've managed to build with them throughout the years, you know, uh, so yeah, very, very flattered and humbled by, by, by the messages that I get from my clients. On that point where you said clients even message sometimes and say, Stefan, do you want me to pay up front and so on? I was going to bring it back to what's going on now with um, COVID-19. How yeah. has that affected your business and what strategies do you have in place to prevent yourself from kind of going out of business or just seeing yourself through this period? Right, to be fair, like the past... I've been open 17 months. So the past two years to, yeah, probably the past two years, I've been working solidly flat out at the barbershop, been in there day in, day out, constant. Um, so when all this first came about, it really sank in when I had to actually lock the doors to the store. And I was like, wow, uh, I don't even know when I'm actually going to see this place again. Yeah. Don't even know when I'm going to be able, going to be, be able to come back, you know. Um, that's when it really, really sank in for me. And to be fair, I'd worked really, really hard for the past couple of years. So I thought, all right, I'm going to take this time to sit back, uh, reflect on what I can do. And obviously, I can't go out and see my clients right now. So there's a few things I have been doing for them. I've been on um, FaceTime with them and their partners. Uh, their partners have been cutting their hair over FaceTime. There's been some questionable jobs, but there's been, there's been some really, really good jobs, you know? Um, it's not me, so I know they'll be back. So, yeah, I'm more than happy <laughs> to, to share my skills. And, and, and if I can help them out in the meantime, then I'm more than happy to, you know? It's the least I can do, and it's the least I, I want to do for them. You know, they're like, let me pay you for, for you being over the phone. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't. We're all in the same boat, right? Yeah. One thing I am grateful for is the fact that I can cut my own hair. And yeah. I'm not looking as... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of us looking questionable in here. And I'm not talking about you three. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. Well, Kaplan, I'm still looking very questionable. I'm full of challenge, so it's not too bad for me. <laughs> well, these days, it's not a complaint to have, is it? At least I'm sorted. <laughs> um... Yeah, so back back on the back on the question, I'm more than happy to help my clients out as much as possible. Um, they've all been sending me messages of support, and it's been it's just been really really humbling, and I'm 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 flattered that they do that. Right, I, they don't have to; they're not obliged to do it. And and the fact that they are sitting at home and they think of me and they get a random text from from them is is it's it's a super nice feeling. Yeah. So I think realizing that your clients appreciate you and then 
you start getting hunted, head hunted, and you start being asked to do shows and you start being asked to do other things. I think that was the turning point and that was like, actually, hold on, I am good at this. People are starting to recognize me. People are starting to ask me to do things for them. Um, and that was probably the turning point for me. And I was like, do you know what? Uh, this is probably going to be me for the rest of my life. And, and yeah, so since I was 14 now, I was in the hair industry. I'm 32 now. So it's, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. I want to take it back to a post that you made. Uh, and I quote, logos are a graphic extension of the internal realities of a company. Yeah. Would you say a person or a gentleman's external appearance is the indication of their internal values? Not today. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, <laughs> Yeah, well, these days you're kind of like let off, right? No, um, I don't know. It's, 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 a sad, it's a sad world out there because people do judge, mm. you know? And if you're walking down the street and, and you see someone like... As a kid, I probably was, I was guilty of it. Now, I don't judge people because everyone has a story and everyone is going through something, right? And you don't know what that person is going through. But yeah, it's sad to say that there are people out there that would look at your scruffy beard or your scruffy hair or your, your tatty shoes and think, look at this tramp or look at it. Do you know what I mean? It's sad that it shouldn't be like that. Um, so yes, but... Hopefully that will change over the years, you know, when people's minds grow and people become a bit more open and a bit more accepting. Um, then people hopefully won't judge people as much. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, Stephen, yeah, to, to my response to your question, French, um, oh. the age we're at and the kind of the mindset we have um, within, within our trio anyway is that um, we're more interested in what someone has to say. But I do agree that, like, Sometimes you step out of a barbershop and honestly, it's like, sometimes you get these statement haircuts. If you say that you've got, a, I don't know, a job interview, you're going to meet a girl, you want to make an impression, you want to make a statement, you want to walk in and everyone go, who's that or that guy is something about that person. And I think sometimes your haircut can do that for you. It can make you feel like a whole different person. Do you get what I'm saying? Having a haircut um, completely changes someone's confidence, someone's persona. Um, the way walking out of a barbershop, you're more likely to smile at someone when you've just had a fresh trim than you are if you feel rough and don't feel like smiling at people in the street is so underrated, you know, and, and people need to do it more, you know, but it could go a long way. You don't know, you know, someone could be having such a shit day, but having a haircut will make someone smile at someone even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how a haircut makes you feel so much more confident within it makes you feel like such a fresher person um, and you're ready to tackle on so much more when you've had a haircut mm-hmm. what's your experience when you're in the barber chair I me mean, yeah we, we were I mean when myself and Mace and French as well we're in the barber chair I mean we're going through those sort of motions as well as to relaxing taking it easy and then looking forward to stepping out of the <laughs> The barber chair and smiling at the world. I mean, I mean, you're in you're in the barber shop all the time. I know it's a fantastic experience, but it might be a little bit different for you. I'm not too sure. Yeah, initially, my first my first sort of immediate thought would be trust. <laughs> Do I trust this guy <laughs> cutting my hair? You know, like I know what I want, I know what I like, and I know what's right and what's wrong. So mm. yeah, 
Barbers hate me being their client. I'm guilty of that. I'm not going to lie. Poor Francesco, if he's watching this, he's like, yeah, every bloody week. <laughs> yeah, every week he's doing my sides. But to be fair, um, I do feel for him because I know how painful I can be in the chat. You know, I'll see one little thing and I'll be like, that bit's sticking out. Can you get rid of it? And then he'll, he'll tease it and tease it and tease it until eventually he gets there. Um, but yeah, I probably notice a lot more than, than your average client wouldn't. Um, because I've got the eye for it and I know what I'm looking for. Um, but no, I've let a lot of questionable, questionable barbers cut my hair in the past and I've walked out really, really upset. It's, having a bad haircut can really ruin someone's day, week, or even month, man. Like, it affects you. Really affects you. Definitely. So. Uh, speaking of, of affecting, uh, I want to go back to another quote of yours. Uh, there's things people say in the barbershop they won't even say in their own living room. It's just one of those places where nobody will judge you about your thoughts or on your opinions. Exactly Why do you that. think this is? And in relation to men, mental health, do you think barbers should get more support and possibly training to help significant breakdowns? That's a very good question. Barbers should get more support, but then also barbers should support the cause a lot more. Um, building a relationship with someone, like clients tell me things that they don't even tell their wives. Yeah, you know, that they don't even tell their kids or they don't even tell their partners. Um, <laughs> it's a place where they can come in and they feel safe, they feel secure. Um, their business isn't going anywhere apart from those four walls, right? And it's up to them what they, what they want to spill and it's up to them what they want to disclose and what, what, what they want to tell you. You never force it upon them. You are just their ears, you know, and, and it's up to you to... When it comes down to men mental health, it's up to you to recognise signals um, that you, if you kind of feel someone isn't going through anything or... Or if someone's going through something and, and they're not quite able to tell you, you have to kind of recognize these signals. And it's nice that my clients, I don't, after a couple of times of them sitting in my chair, what they open up to me about is a lot of it's fun, a lot of it's sad, a lot of it's funny, like exciting, a lot of it's crazy, a lot of it's business, you know, and, and we, we just sit and talk and listen. And that's one thing that, I was always a very, very shy, introverted kid growing up. Um, one thing my job has made me become is a people's person. I can connect with people. And growing up where I grew up, you could be a kid from the street or you could be the biggest CEO in, in the world, right? Um, my job has taught me to communicate with anyone and relate to anyone and, and be able to, to connect with someone, you know? Which is, which is the, be the beauty of my job. Mm -hmm. um, and mental health is something that a lot of barbers and a lot more barber shops should sort of embrace. I know Movember sort of started with sort of cancer, as a cancer sort of um, charity, but now they've moved on to the mental health side of things. So they're doing great things. There's another barber, barber shop uh, called Lions Barber. who's doing some amazing things for, for um, mental health. Um, I have a client who's a psychiatrist and me and him actually went for dinner not so long ago and we just sat down and we, we spoke about mental health and where um, it's just about building your knowledge about the whole, the whole thing, right? It's something that, that's not taken seriously enough. Um, it's something that people, a lot of people sort of suffer in silence with 
Um, so if you can do a little bit more research on it and if you can find out more information on it so you can sort of spread the word to your clients if you kind of feel they are going through something and they don't have anyone to talk to, you're probably one of the closest points of call for them to sort of get a little bit of support. You know, there's, there's family that they can't sort of speak to. There's friends that they don't want to tell because they're ashamed. You know, even, even my group of friends, I've got a very, very close group of friends and we all go through stuff, right? You know, but people are afraid to tell people, you know, and, and it shouldn't, you shouldn't have that stigma and you shouldn't, it shouldn't be so frowned upon or looked, looked down upon. I'm always happy to listen to someone and always happy to offer in a, offer a helping hand in any way possible if I can, you know, and, and it's about listening and, and noticing signals more than anything. And with my job, it, I find it a lot easier than others because it's, it's tough. So, but that comes with experience. Um, so, just speaking, the last half an hour we've been speaking, and from what I gather, you've got, you've got quite a positive mindset and you've also, you're ambitious and you've gone from, you've done like, you've almost done the perfect route in terms of you were the apprentice and now you've become your own member and now own your own business. Are there any books that have inspired you along that journey or any books you've read which you would recommend? Yeah, loads. Um, and reading is, is very important, uh, whether it be reading or whether it be audibles. I believe for us all to grow and, and for us all to gain knowledge, we have to continuously feed our brains and our minds with things. Um, there's been some pretty big books that have like made a pretty big in, impact. But sometimes when you first read a book, it doesn't make sense. So you have to read it again and you have to read it again. And then the third time you've read it, it's like, pow, hold on, wow. I just get it. It, it all makes sense. Um, so a few of them that, that, that I've read growing up and, and recently, uh, The Secret's obviously going to be one of the biggest ones. And I think that's probably one of the first books that was given to me by a couple of people. A couple of people gave me that book. And that going back to reading something three times, I think when you first read The Secret, it can be a bit cheesy and you're like, shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was 17 when I was first given that book and I was like, get out of here. Um, but then you read it again and then you start implementing some of the stuff. And then hold on. Actually, hold on, the secret told me that and it, it happened. And and then you read other things. The chimp paradox is another big one. Um uh, Rich Dad, poor dad was something that was given to me as a young kid that you don't quite take in at first, but then you start implementing it at a later, later stage in life and then you get it, right? Um, all of a sudden, things click. Mm. And once that thing clicks, everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's about making sense of something and making it click. Um, Stepping Up was a great one. Uh, mindset from Carol Dweck or something like that. Uh, the four hour work week, I've just started that one, um, which I'm, I'm quite impressed with actually. I got quite... <laughs> My sister told me to download that book or, or to, to read the book. And I was like, Amy, you're so lazy. You just want to work four hours a week, that's it. But um, once I, once I um, started reading it, um, it started to make sense and, and I, I quite like it. The Power of Now was another one. Um, the Power of Habit, uh, a couple of, couple of um mental health 
biographies, autobiographies. I've, I've done the Tyson Fury one, which was quite touching. And um, You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins is another one as well. Um, they're all really, really cool. So, no, books are very, very important. And it's all about adding knowledge to, to the toolbox and just keep on going. So, cool. Do you have any recommendations at the moment? Judging by the list of books I just gave you. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was actually going to go into. We're going to play a game of of called Dopal Trash, and basically, instead well, of sorry, knowing what we're going to play a game called Dope or Trash, I'm going to okay. give you a list of names of books, and you're just going okay. to say based purely on their name whether they're yeah. dope or trash. Okay, cool. Yeah, you ready? I'm ready. Natives. Dope. 1984. Trash, <laughs> which is bad. Born a crime. <laughs> what is it? Born a, born a crime. Dope. The Great Gatsby. Dope. The Hunger Games. Dope. 48 Laws of Power. Very, very dope. I've read it. The Prince. Trash. The Alchemist. Uh, trash. A new earth. Uh, dope. And the book of Stefan Avanzato. Amazingly dope. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I definitely think you got a book in you, man. I think you got some amazing stories to tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I, one day I do want to write a book. I am currently writing a book on male grooming hacks and how to keep yourself groomed at home um, and how to look after yourself and, and still feel fresh and confident while you're I can get it before we start sort of getting back to the real world yeah I'll let you know when it's out, you can start I was gonna ask out before, there before we leave is there any like yeah. tips and suggestions that you can give for, for someone such as Pete <laughs> not joking Pete for someone that hasn't been able to cut their hair uh, or go to the barber shops, what sort of things can someone do that has no experience in cutting their hair at the moment? What can they do? Uh, I mean, it all, it all depends on the person, you know? It depends on the style, right? Um, hmm. for you, for, I mean, first, first of all, I would recommend to get yourself a good set of clippers and a beard trimmer, and then you're pretty much set all, to go, all good to go. I wouldn't recommend can men to cut their hair with scissors more difficult? Um, just by cleaning the sides and your beard will mm. make you feel so much better. And you'll probably just sort of be able to top yourself up for about one or two weeks uh -huh. before you go and need another haircut from your barber or something. So it's just about trying to maintain the little bits that you possibly can without messing it up way too much. Mm -hmm. So... Thank you. Points taken. <laughs> Guys, can I say when um when we're all up and running again, man, feel free when you're ready to come back come when you're ready to come in my shop and have a service on me, man. Genuinely, it's been a pleasure. Hey, Stefan, you know this I haven't got no hair, right? I'm follically challenged. Don't worry, we can do wet shaves. <laughs> this is a this is a nicely. 
Yeah, you can sit in the cigar bit in the lounge, have a nice whiskey. And yeah, a cigar sweet, and sweet, sweet, sweet. I'm there. I'm there. You can read. You can. You'll be reading a Stefan Avanzato book. <laughs> 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 I'll take you up on that. <laughs> do you just want to, I don't know if you want to reveal where your, where your shop is or give your social yeah, yeah. out to the listeners and viewers. Okay, so um, I've got three different social platforms um, from, on Instagram. I've got Stefan Abanzato, which is about myself and more my journey. It's all sort of work related. Um, Stefan underscore Abanzato. I've got Abanzato underscore grooming underscore lounge i know that's a mouthful but avanzato grooming lounge um that's more about the store and what goes on in the store and the events we have in there mm-hmm. uh, um and i've just set up a new one where i'm trying to help young barbers and barbershop owners grow and become recognized in the industry and that will be avanzato grooming academy um my store is on 73 duke street mayfair w1k 5NR. It's been a while since I've had to use that postcode and address, so I have to get that right. Um, I'm just a stone throw away from Selfridges, um, and we're, we're in the heart of Mayfair, right next to Bond Street Station. So if you are around and you want to pop in for a, a service, please feel free to hit us up. Excellent. And guys, my offer stands for you guys as well. Yeah, so. Listen, look at this thing. I'm coming to see you, man. When you're ready, man, we'll have a lot to work with. Nice one. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us, Stefan, yeah?